one swamp, one name, but two terrifying origin stories. And then we take a look at a man who's done the one thing we all want to do. He peed on a spaceship today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. Um, This week's been kind of dark. Some dark stories yesterday was about a dude shooting his mom. So I figured, you know what? We're going to do some light-hearted stories today. So we got got more tales of human troubles, but they're not... uh, They don't involve people shooting their own mothers. So, you know, there you go. That's a bonus. Speaking of bonuses, here comes in our newest Patreon supporter... Liam Boucher. Liam Boucher, everyone give a round of applause to him as he's walking in. Apparently, Boucher is butcher in French or Quebec wheeze. So he's already turning around walking out. He's refunding his money. No, 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 come back. Liam is juggling cleavers. He's going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If anything needs to get chopped up, he's going to do it. That's our guy. Liam's like shaking his head. He's like, it's just my last name, bro. Are you an actual carpenter? Well, I don't know. Maybe. I never tried. Whether or not you're a carpenter or a boucher, if you can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just help get the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Liam, toss me one of those cleavers. I'm going to toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed out to... Dirigible is flying out to Florida. While we're going out there, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about yesterday's episode. Not the whole shooting the mom thing. I did that new Prophecy Watch segment where I want to start highlighting these prophecies that get people really worried in the conspiracy community and notate them because otherwise they just disappear. And Dark Outpost, yesterday we covered darkoutpost.com, the best piece of entertainment that I have found since Hans. And I didn't find it. Dr. Hare recommended it to me. I don't think he even realized the deep, (laughs) the deep, deep well of entertainment value out of this website. Darkoutpost.com, they made this claim that the National Guard was going to arrest Joe Biden. And, oh, but Joe Biden's like a clone now? So they weren't even arresting the original Joe Biden. He's already in Guantanamo Bay. They were arresting his clone for some reason. I actually dug more into it after I recorded that episode. And Obama's in Guantanamo Bay, but his clone was there. So they were going to put the clone on trial. Poor clones, right? They just got cloned. They don't know what's going on. They didn't do any of this stuff. And then Mike Pence's clone and all this stuff. So they were going to arrest all these clones, which seems like just a waste of energy, right? You already have the original people in Guantanamo Bay. National Guard is going to take over. Trump was never going to leave the presidency, all this stuff. To their credit, to Dark Outpost's credit, they did not remove the article. I kind of thought that they might. Because we knew it wasn't going to happen. But for weeks, people had been talking about this. They didn't remove the article. So that was very interesting. They did move it from their front page. You now have to search for it, but I'm still going to give a little tip of my hat for them not removing the article wholesale. That's all the tip of the hat they get. I, I have to say this. the I've been, Yesterday, I listened to their episode about that, about the 10 Days of Darkness. I listened to it twice because I couldn't believe what they were saying. And not in the sense that I couldn't believe the conspiracy theories because I hear that stuff all the time. About five minutes into the podcast, or video, it's like a video, but it's just, you just listen to people, you don't have to watch it. It's one guy named David Zybleck. About five minutes into the video, he says, hey, guys, so before I tell you about this whole clone thing, you know the thing you clicked on, the thing you want to listen to? 
let me tell you, do you have Parkinson's or uh, cancer or methylthemioma or um, Parkinson's? <laughs> Did I mention that one yet? Do you have dementia? I might because I mentioned those twice. Do you have any of these horrible illnesses that we wouldn't wish on our worst enemy? Well, if you do, I have the not cure, not cure, but something that will make it better. Something that will make all your cancer worries go away. And I'm Listening to this, and I'm like, seriously? Like, of course, I know you're going to talk about clones and doppelgangers and things like that, but now you're also selling snake oil? I don't know why I was surprised. I guess I wasn't surprised, but I was shocked by this. As he's talking about this, do you have cancer? Or does a loved one have cancer? Which is such a horrible pitch, right? But anyways, he goes, you can call Jeanette. Jeanette will tailor a plan. And I kind of like, kind of caught my attention. I'm like, call somebody? What are you? What are you talking about? This is a this is a video broadcast on the web to what I would assume we're really you have a worldwide audience. I honestly think Dark Outpost is going to become one of the biggest conspiracy theory channels out there. It's been around for a long time. I think it's in a position to outmaneuver Alex Jones. I really that's my prophecy that Dark Outpost is going to blow up, but he's doing this video. He's releasing this video and he goes Called Jeanette. And I look over and at the bottom of the screen is Jeanette's phone number, her full phone number. It's like, call her. And then he and then he says it out loud, just in case you're driving. Call Jeanette. And I'm like, what? Why are you why are you asking people on the internet to call this woman to cure their cancer? Now, to be fair, he's not saying it'll cure their cancer for obvious legal reasons, but it will make things better. She can tailor a health plan for your cancer. And I'm looking at this, and her phone number's flashing on the screen. And it's not like a 976 number. Do those even exist? It's not like a toll-free number. It looks like her home or business line. And I'm thinking, how is this woman not... And I'm not encouraging this, but I'm thinking, how has this woman not got 10 calls a day asking to cure dick cancer? Like, how is this not happening? Now, his... His audience may have less weirdos than the internet as a whole, but I... Don't think so. And then he begrudgingly, this is so fascinating. He hasn't even gotten to the clone stuff. He tells you to call her. And he's like, just call her She'll if she doesn't pick up the phone. So she is like right there. She's watching TV and the phone rings. She's like, no, I do not have the cure for dick cancer. Click. Not only does he say, and again, I'm not encouraging that at all, but I'm just shocked that it doesn't already happen. He goes, if you don't want to call her, and you should, he keeps pushing, he might be doxing this woman, might be his ex-wife or something. He goes, if you don't want to call her, and you should, that's the best way to get a hold of her. She may not pick up the phone. She may be, like, ironing a shirt or something like that. You can email her, and he's super down on the fact that some people want to use email. And then he gives her email address out letter by letter. Like like the oldest man in the world, like Dorfwood. The no joke, the email account for Dark Outpost, or maybe for him. I didn't catch I didn't listen to the episode twice. They use an AOL email account, which is just just so quaint. That's so adorable. It's like the truth seekers at AOL.com that gave, gave me a chuckle. Like I said though, they've been around for a long time. And then before he even gets to the clone, at this point, we're half hour into the episode. You're like, Jason, at this point, we're half hour into this episode. You haven't gotten to the swamp yet. We may be half hour into darkoutpost.com. And again, I'm working. Like, I'm doing Dead Rabbit stuff. I'm filling out forms and trying to make the website look better. And I'm listening to this, and I realize that for the past five minutes, he's said nothing but 
So, this is how you unzip a file. So, I want to send you a file, and it's called a zip file. Now, with a Mac, it's going to be called a stuffed file. But you're going to take this zipped file, the Z-I-P-P-E-D file, and then you're going to have to download a program to unzip it. Now, I use 7-zip. That's the number 7, Z-I-P. And then you get this and you will extract... I'm like, here's the thing. He knows his audience. He knows his audience has no idea what a zip file is and what they're trying to unzip. Apparently, if you're like a Dark Outpost Plus member or something like that, you can get a list of everyone in Guantanamo Bay. Now you're going, oh, so like everyone who was arrested... From 2001, the war on terror, all the prisoners of war we got from... No. No, it's just a bunch of celebrities and politicians. So if you want to know a list of... He can't put it on his website. He makes a zip file and then has to explain for 10 minutes in his podcast how to unzip it. What type of program to use. I'm thinking, dude, put this in the email... Put this in the truthseekersatayol.com email when people order it. Because I didn't order it. I don't need to hear this. Send in the clones. Send in the clones. And he got to the clone stuff, and it was funny. It was nothing that I hadn't heard before. And I was actually more amused by the fact that, one, you think it's a good idea to give out a, a woman, of all people, a woman's number, a woman's number on the internet. And, you know, a lot of pissed off calls from people who didn't get their dementia cured. Or their cancer cured or whatever. And then um, just the fact that it became a tech podcast. It basically became CNET.com's podcast. Telling you how to unzip a file. Fascinating stuff. My prediction that Dark Outpost is going to be huge. Huge. I I really think it's going to blow up. I will say this. Dark Outpost TV makes Alex Jones look like this show. Like it is just so... So off the chain. <laughs> is, that, is that a term the kids are still using? <laughs> That's what Dave Zeeblick's like. If you order my thing, you'll be off the chain. Um, now I'm the boomer. But yeah, it's bizarre. Alex Jones, <laughs> he makes Alex Jones look like a very nuanced thinker. And again, I've always said this. I think Alex Jones puts on an act. And this guy may be putting on an act too. Dave also might be putting on an act. But it's just the stuff he says is far more inflammatory than Alex Jones. So that should give you an idea of where we're dealing with. But if you need to have dementia cured, call that number. If you don't know how to unzip a file, you're taking notes during my segment. You're like, Jason, slow down. I have all these files that my grandson sent me. They're all zipped. So we'll dip our toes in the outpost.com waters from time to time. It's just so much political stuff. And uh, I, I like to stay away from that. But when you talk about clones, you got me right. Is it really a political story when the clones show up? Liam, by now we have reached the jungles. Not those. By now, he was like shrugging his shoulders. He's like, what jungles? Liam, by now we've reached the swamps of Florida. Dead rabbit dirigible is floating overhead. Let's get our ropes and scale down into the sticky green swamps of Florida. We're in Tate's Hell State Forest. Which is a lie. It's a swamp. Talk about tricking the tourists. They're like, can we camp in the forest? And the park rangers are like, eyes are going from side to side. They're like, yeah, you totally camp in the forest. This story was recommended to me by Patreon. Kim So Raw. Thank you very much, Kim, for sending this over. I had actually had this one prepped and ready to go for like, I don't know, eight months. 
and never covered it. And then Kim So Raw reached out and it goes, hey, you should cover this story. And I was like, I will. And like another four months passed. Kim sent this to me a while ago. And then I was ready to do it because I wanted some lighthearted stuff. But it's still kind of spooky. But not, you know, dance on your mom's dead body spooky. Tate's Hell State Force. It's a swamp. Don't let them lie to you. And there is a notable feature to it. Like in the middle of it, there's a grove of dwarf cypress trees that are over 300 years old. That's older than America. (laughs) You hear that question mark in my voice? It's older than the founding of America, I believe. 17th. Yeah, yeah. That's the sound. That's the sound of history lessons going in one ear and out the other. And it's the sound of the grove trees moving. They're an endangered species. So now it used to be private land, but nowadays they're trying to restore it to nature. They're trying to make it more natural. So I just imagine they're like getting swamp from other places. <laughs> it's full of a bunch of invasive species. They're like, no, 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 don't do that. Helicopters are dropping big buckets of swamp water from Okefenokee. But they're making it more and more natural. They want to preserve this area so future generations can know how disgusting Florida was. They're like, oh, this is a swamp. I always wondered what these were. But how did it get the name Tate's Hell? That's the story, right? That's a spooky... The word Tate's not incredibly scary, but Hell. So there has to be an origin story of why this is called Tate's Hell. So we have our waders on. We're walking through the swamp, pushing around alligators and stuff like that. With sticks, we have long sticks. You brought one, right? You brought your anti-alligator stick. The year is 1871. You got old-timey bluegrass, bluegrass swamp music playing. And there we're going to meet Jebediah Tate and his son, Seba Tate. And they're like, oh, wake up one morning. Hey, son, how's it going? And Seba's like, it's going fine, Dad. You ask me that every morning, and it's a little, getting a little annoying. Jebediah goes, look at all of this land we have. It's all it's all swamp water. It's super gross. There's 160 acres of swamp, of pristine swamp land that Jebediah Tate bought. He only paid $5 for it. So that's a deal, right? For the guy who got the $5. But he's going to turn this swamp land into a business. So he starts like tapping trees for pine oil and he's raising cattle and pigs. Now, I see that in my notes. So I don't. I don't think this is like swamp thing swamp. I don't think the cows the cows are up to their udders and slime and they don't even know where the pigs are. I think there is dry land. Everyone's not in there. Like yes, Jason, there is dry land in swamps. I was imagining like Adventures of Bayou Billy or something like that. So apparently the 160 acres was was usable farmland. There's pine trees. There's cows walking around. There's a bunch of pigs. It's a really hard life living in the swamp. So eventually, Jebediah makes a deal with the, not the devil, but a local medicine man. A couple couple rungs down on the diabolical level. And he goes to the medicine man. He goes, listen, I want a better life. And the medicine man is like grinding up some herbs and spices. (laughs) It's Colonel Sanders. It's Colonel Sanders in the swamp. The medicine man goes, you know what? I can do that for you. I can totally do that for you. But you need to make... A sacrifice to me. And Jebediah looks at his son. He's like, whatever. I don't like that guy anyways. And the medicine man goes, no, no, no. What I need you to do is, one, you need to stay out of the cypress forest. So that grove of trees that at that point would only be about 200 years old. Stay away from them. Jebediah's like, fine. I don't like dwarf trees anyways. And then the medicine man goes, and every year you got to bring me a pig. 
Jebediah looks at his son. He's like, no, 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 not your son again. You got to bring me a succulent pig. I want to eat it up. So that happened in 1871. All of that stuff happened in that year. 1874, Jebediah wakes up one morning. He's like, hey, son, how you doing? The son's like, oh, I'm fine, Dad. Quit asking me that. Jebediah, for whatever reason this year, decides to break off the deal. So that year, Medicine Man's sitting there, and he's, like, finishing off the pig from last year. He's, like, eating pig jerky, bacon, all that stuff. And he's like, mm. okay, now it's time for my new pig. And he's just sitting there, and the sun comes up, and the sun goes down, and the Medicine Man's waiting. Ah, maybe they forgot. Maybe they got waylaid by crocodiles, and they just didn't bring it to me. <laughs> or they're all devoured by crocodiles. A couple days pass, and the Medicine Man realizes that they're not doing the deal anymore. The deal's been broken. So the medicine man goes to the Tate farm and says, listen, deal's off. I don't know if you forgot on purpose, but it really broke my heart. <laughs> I'm also hungry. So from now on, your life is going to be hard like it was before. Actually, no, it's going to be worse, the medicine man says. You're going to go through hell. <laughs> There's no mention of lightning strikes in the story or my notes, but I felt it was dramatic. I felt it was needed. What happens shortly after this? The dad dies of malaria. So he, his journey, I mean, that would be a sucky way to die. You're living in a swamp, you kind of expect it. But is that a hellish way to die? It might be. I look into it and check it out. My notes. I know it's not the best. Like in the top 10 ways to die, it's probably not even in the top 50. But he didn't really go through hell, right? The curse was actually going to focus on the son, Seb. Or CB. However... <laughs> However I pronounced it earlier. Seb, we'll call him, is now walking out to the trees to check the pine oil. And he's like cranking the thing. He's like twisting, he's twisting the trees. He's like Paul Bunning trying to squeeze out the oil. Nothing's coming out, huh? Oh man, my life is hell now. And he's like, hopefully, hopefully this is as bad as it gets. One day he wakes up and all the cows are gone. Now, not like UFO abduction mysteriously disappeared into the mist. He kind of figured out that from all the guts, from all the guts that were littering the ground, that something was predating them. What's the term? What's a, a predator does it? Not eat. Predating them, right? Predate. Predate. It doesn't matter. He knew. He could pronounce it. The pronunciation was right in his head. He's just going to say it. They're being predated. He says as he looks around and makes sure... Did I say that right? Did I say that right? He knows. They didn't all disappear in one day. They're going one by one. He finds a bunch of guts everywhere. He knows something in the jungle is coming and getting them. And to make matters worse, like for some reason this is part of the hellish curse, pigs everywhere. The pigs are outbreeding. Well, the cows are dying, but now he has way too many pigs. That is hell. If you live in a swamp... And you have too many pigs, <laughs> apparently that is hell. 1875 comes around. So that is all going on for a year. And he's like, okay, I got to figure out what's killing the cows. But in the meantime, I'm kind of lonely. So he actually orders a mail order bride. So one day he's sitting there and basically the mailman shows up with this huge crate with holes drilled into it. How do they ship? I know they don't actually ship them in crates, but how do you ship a mail order bride? Like, I'm assuming just on a plane or a boat. I don't think they're actually taken by the post office, but how do you know that's your mail-order bride that shows up? Like, you're like, Jason, no one's going to in person. 
<laughs> no one's going to impersonate a mail order bride, but do they have some sort of identification? <laughs> do human traffickers have some sort of way to keep track of these people? Like, how would you know? Like, you order, especially back then, you didn't have the internet. Like, did you just go through a catalog and there was like a description where there are photographs? I don't know. Maybe, maybe I should look up the history of mail order bride and end up on eight FBI watch lists. 1875, he gets a mail order bride and he's like, this will be awesome. I won't be lonely at all. They open up the crate. And that was the sound of the crate door. Oh, that wasn't the sound of the woman coming out of it. That was the crate door hitting the ground. He meets this woman. So he's like, listen, I have this great life for you here in the swamp. She's like, this is horrible. Why can't I have been sold to a sultan or something like that? He goes, listen, we have the swamp, and I really hope you love bacon and pig jerky. <laughs> Apparently that's a thing. Jason just made a pig jerky. And we got ham hocks, and he's going, he's like, this. there's like a sea of pigs. There's just 160 acres of pigs. And he's like, look at all this. Deli- Maybe with the two of us, we can actually eat all these pigs. And he kind of chuckles. He rubs his tummy. He's like, I've been doing my best. I've been doing my best. I think I have several parasites. In- <laughs> I think I'm very, very sick. And the woman looks at him, and she looks around the swamp. She looks at the house, and she goes, I can make a life here, but I'm Jewish. And then at that point, point, Seb turns to the camera and goes, gulp? And then we move on to part two of this odyssey. So it is actually not part two. It's a continuation. But anyways, it's the next day. She can't eat pork. And she goes, I need, if I'm going to eat anything, I can eat, well, I can eat anything but pork. I can eat that fork. I can eat this house, but I can't eat pork. So he has to now buy some cows and protect them. And he figures, okay, I love this woman. I just ordered her, but she came from the heart. She can't eat pigs. That's against her religion. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy some more cows, and then I'm going to find out what's killing them. I'm going to straight up Nancy Drew this and figure this out. So he gets some more cows, and of course their guts get ripped out. He looks at his wife. He's like, did you do that? She's like, no, I'm not that hungry. He realizes there's a panther in the swamp. <laughs> Big old panther noise. Insert there. <laughs> Insert there, editor. He goes out to hunt this panther down. Probably could have done this a while ago, but, you know, he was fine just eating pigs. He brings his dogs with him, and he's loading up his gun, and he's looking. He hears this incredibly loud panther. It's not very stealthy at all. Walking through the jungle. And the panther is stalking them. And they're stalking the panther. And the dogs are like, this sucks, dude. We've seen what it's done to these cows. I mean, we may have killed one or two. We we were hungry. But we let the panther take the blame for it. But we're not going to have anything to do with this. So his dogs run away. So now he's in the swamp all alone with his rifle. Looking for this panther. And then somehow, it's not specified really in the story, but... He drops his gun, splash, and he watches it sink into the murky depths of the swamp. And he's like, oh no, if only I could bend over and pick it up, but I can't, I've eaten too much pig. So now he's walking through the swamp. He's unarmed. (laughs) Panther's still stalking him. And then a snake shows up whole episode of sound effects here i didn't even get to do a gunshot sound effect he drops the gun into the swamp it goes off echoes through the swamp now this snake now fast forward back to the snake the snake bites him ah 
he falls down. He's laying against the tree. And he has this swamp bite on him. He's like, oh, this sucks. And then there's still a panther. There's still a panther walking around. I hope it doesn't go back to my house and get my cows. Or my new wife. It can eat all the pigs at once. And then a bunch of bugs show up. Because, you know, again, it's in the swamp. They were there the whole time. But now that he's laying in the swamp with this snake bite, and he has no gun and no dogs, the, the insects are putting little napkins around their necks. They're running up with forks and knives. They start biting him, and he's like, oh, this sucks, this sucks. This truly is hell. And he runs, and he's running through the swamps, and he sees that grove of dwarf cypress trees. And he runs into the trees, and apparently the bugs don't follow him, or the panther, or the snake. He's just laying in the grove of trees. And he's like, okay, now I'm not getting eaten anymore, but I'm super thirsty. There's nothing around me but dirty, dirty swamp water. So he begins to drink swamp water. Seven days later, people are wondering where this dude's at. They're like, hey, what happened to your husband? She's like, I don't know. We just got married. Honestly, do you have like a hamburger or something I can eat? And they're like, yeah, sure. This figure comes crawling out of the swamp. He's like, (laughs) and he crawls out. And he falls in front of a dude. There's just some guy walking through the swamp. And he falls in front of him. Seb falls in front of him. And he's like, uh. And he looks up at this man. And he goes, my name is Seb. (laughs) I'm assuming he pronounced it correctly. (laughs) The guy's like, well, that's not your name. This guy goes, my name is Seb Tate. And I just came through hell. Ugh. Now, some versions of the story, I believe he immediately dies after that, which doesn't make sense, because how did he tell people about the snake? It's not like they'd bring out a forensic expert. He's like, hmm, from what I can tell, he was first scared and dropped his gun from the way that his fingers were frozen. It appears that he somehow dropped his gun into the swamp. And then from the snake bite, it seems that the insect showed. No one would know any of that stuff. He has seven days of swamp water in his stomach. I've heard a version that he died. I think the other most likely version, if this is true at all, is that he lived and then they just took him and they gave him a couple, you know, pork loins. And he's like, throw those up. He's like, please, no more pig. They give him some fruits and veggies and he tells this story. That's more likely because otherwise no one would know. That's why it's called Tate's Hell. But we don't even know if any of that is true. We don't know. I believe that that family existed there. I mean, obviously... (laughs) I don't think the state of Florida was like, and then a magical man showed up and placed a curse on the family. There's elements of it that are probably true, i.e. there's a Tate family there. But as far as like the magic being cast or the snake bite, I'm sure, again, the snake probably did bite him. I don't know why that's the most fantastical element. But you have the story. Now, but people don't even know if that's the reason. This is why there's a dispute, because some people say that's not the reason why it's called Tate's Hell. So it could just be a story that's made up to match the name Taytel because there's actually another version of this. There's another version of this story. There's no year for this one, but we'll just assume it's old-timey again, 1871. <laughs> this is on the other side of the swamp as Jebediah and Seb are waking up and saying good morning on the other side of the swamp. There's a fisherman named Tate. This is his only name. He's like Prince or Madonna. His name's Tate. And he goes missing in the swamp. And people are like, oh, man, what happened to Tate? Dude, that guy was super dope. He also owed me, like, five bucks. I was going to go buy all this swamp land. But these other people bought it instead. Dang it. And then after a couple days, Tate, the fisherman, shows up out of the swamp. And he's like, guys, you won't believe what just happened to me. So I was fishing in the swamp. (laughs) I'm a really bad fisherman. I don't know why. I thought I'd catch some toads that day. And then I got to the middle of the swamp. And I saw her. And they're like, what? I saw her. And he's like, yes. It was a giant. I saw a giant 
woman walking through the swamp. Now, at this point, all the men put down their newspapers and they're like, tell me more. Was this woman clean and bathed? He's like, no, because she lived in a swamp. But she was, she may not have been clean and bathed, but she was hot and bothered. And people are like, ooh, they're fanning their self with their newspapers. And all the ladies have been dismissed from the bar, which I'm assuming is where this story is being told. Tate says, guys, listen. So I was fishing in the swamp. I saw this giant lady in the middle of the swamp. And she saw me, and I feared for my life. Plus, my pants got a little tight. And sure enough, that giant woman plucked me out of the boat tore my clothes off and banged me for the past couple weeks, right? I've been missing this whole time, right? I've been having sex with a giant. People are like, first off, people are like, um, where exactly did you see this again? We want to mount an expedition and get mounted ourselves. He says, yeah, you, that, that seems great and all. And I did have like the best sex ever for, a, you know, a week or two. But look at me. And he's like, now, now everyone's noticing he's super thin. He's all emaciated. He's like, it wouldn't, the sex wouldn't stop. Like, sure, I could grab a handful of swamp water here and there. And if, like, a tadpole was in it, I'd get a little protein. But she wouldn't stop banging me to the point where like, I, she, like, sucked all the energy out of me. Now, apparently, in that swamp, there was a legend of the Timucon tribe. And they were native to that area. And they said that these. Natives were seven feet tall, that they were giants. But even that's up for dispute because apparently that's based on skeletons that were like five foot three. And they go, well, if this is, this must be a toddler. <laughs> this five foot three one must be a toddler. So, or like a, a, you know, second grade or whatever. So they extrapolated these giant natives. But there's never been really, there's never been any conclusive proof of giants in the, in the world. There's lots of legends and there's lots of fake photographs that were going around in the 1800s. We've covered it multiple times on the show. I'll put an episode in the show notes about the Smithsonian destroying giants. I don't want to get too way late on that one. We've covered it multiple times on the show, but that was the story. So people were thinking, well, maybe it was true. Maybe there was a lost member of this tribe who was looking for some love. And here is this lucky, lucky fisherman. He's shaking his head. He's like, I was not lucky. I was starving. I was starving the whole time. And the other people are like, we will take her. They'll just bring backpacks. They'll just bring granola bars with them. And they'll just lay back and they'll have like one of those hats on with the two soda cans sucking it through the straw. And they're like, take me, baby. So that's the story of Tate's Hell. That's also the end of the episode. I'm not going to be able to get to the UFO story. This episode went on really long. I want to give these stories time to breathe. So we'll do the UFO story on Monday. So Liam, let's trudge out of this swamp. And in the middle of this discussion, in the middle of the grove of dwarf cypress trees, there is the carpenter copter spick and span. Liam, go ahead and climb into the cockpit and get us up, up and away from this army of pigs that's slowly advancing on our position. Go, 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 go. Helicopter is flying off. We each got a pig, though, so we each got a little pet pig from this episode, and we each got a mail order bride. You're like, Jason, I don't want a mail order ride, but you got one. Now, we're not just flying away for any good reason, I mean, other than to escape from the pig army. Liam, take us out of the stratosphere. I want to get this carpenter copter as high as it can. It has the anti-frost coating on it. We're now floating over the Earth in the carpenter copter. And I want to end the episode like this. You know, on Earth, we always talk about these special locations. Sometimes they're blessed locations, holy locations. Sometimes they're cursed locations, like a haunted house or spooky cemetery. The grove of dwarf cypress trees actually could exist in between those two. 
It seemed to be the source of the medicine man's powers. It was the one place where he didn't want any visitors to go. It could also be the font of eternal banging by a giant woman. But again, she doesn't let you eat, so, you know, you kind of got to pick your poison on that one. Is it worth it? Who knows? But I was thinking about this the other day. We have these locations on Earth that are mystical, that can give you power or curse you to hell. What if Earth itself is one of those locations? Hear me out. Whenever we look at the lore involving aliens, they're always here for some reason. Either they're here to keep an eye over us so we can join the Galactic Brotherhood, which I'd rather not. That sounds super lame. Or they're here to sap our resources, take our water, take our minerals. That one never really held much sway with me other than being a big fan of the miniseries V. I always thought there's more water, like you could easily go to a planet that has ice caps and melt the ice caps fairly easy with nukes and things like that, instead of going to a planet that's populated by a bunch of monkey barbarian warlords who want to use their weapon, who make movies about killing people from other planets. Like, what would be easier? Drop a couple nukes on a planet like Mars that has massive ice caps, or come down and engage with the species, as much as I love us, we are quite brutal species known as the human race. Then there's the idea of them using us as cattle. They're here to enslave us or eat us. Again, it's the best thing is to not have a food source that can kill you. That's why we grow wheat and domesticated cows. That's why we're not a species that lives on tiger and bear meat. So none of those really held sway with me. None of those really made much sense to me. But what if the Earth is special? It's just not a rock. It's just not the third rock from the sun. It's a mystical location in an otherwise mystically dead universe. Just like you can have the entire swamp surrounding this area, but this grove of trees is special compared to the rest of it. What if the Earth itself is a mystical location? When we look at, very rarely when we look at stories of aliens, very rarely do they mention religion. And I don't think I've ever come across the story of aliens practicing magic. Of course, there are stories where it seems like they're engaged in magic, but it always goes back to their technologies just so advanced. I don't think I've ever come across a story where an alien is actually like, oh no, let me pull a rabbit, (laughs) let me pull a rabbit out of this space calculator. They never talk about magic. They very, very rarely talk about religion. How many holy leaders have we had visit this planet in just the past 2,000 years? Maybe this planet is the anomaly in the universe. Maybe life is abundant. But we're the only planet in the universe that has this mystical connection to something beyond the physical. Earth may be, universally speaking, A grove of dwarf cypress trees in the middle of a swamp. It's just an interesting theory. And yet another reason why Earth is the most amazing place in the universe. I'm a little biased because I live here. I exist here. But I truly think it is. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter. You're like, what's so wrong with joining the Galactic Brotherhood? Because it's lame. DeadRabbitRadio uh, at DeadRabbitRadio is the Twitter thing. <laughs> I always lose track of this. DeadRabbitRadio is your daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. And I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend.